So that's all I have to say about Quintet Fight Night 3, Christian. Is there uh, anything else you want to say? Or do you want to just get into the meat of what we're here to talk about today? Nah, I think, I think that you said enough about Quintet. And I think we said enough about other things to have gone on as far as this podcast goes. Let's get to the reason why we're all here. And that is... Rising 15, which will be taking place from the Yokohama Arena in Yokohama, Kanagawa, Japan. If you're listening to this podcast, it'll be this upcoming Sunday, Easter Sunday, April 21st, live exclusively in North America on the Fight TV app and Fight.TV. That is F-I-T-E for you simpletons out there. (laughs) But yeah, let's go ahead and get into the meat of the Let's go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes of this, and we are going by what is being the projected fight list on Wikipedia. And that is the first fight, which was the first fight that was canceled off of the Rising 14 card that happened on New Year's Eve between Reina Kubota, the shoot boxing goddess, and Samantha Young-Francois. First of all, the particulars on Spicy Samantha Jean-Francois, she's 5'4", 104.9 pounds, 32 years of age, born February the 27th of 1987, fighting out of full martial arts, hailing from Marcel, hailing from Marcel, France. She has a record of three wins, five losses, and one no contest, and is a veteran of British Challenge MMA. 100% fight and the WWFC where she recently had an 0-2 stint in the promotion. Her opponent is the shootboxing goddess, Reina Kubota, 7-2 overall, a representative of the Caesar Takeshi Gym and a world-class shootboxer. At 5'3", she weighs in at 112.4 pounds. She is 27 years of age. On June 29, 1991, fighting out of Konohana, Osaka, Japan. She, obviously, as you can tell, is a shoot boxer who also trains out of the Abe Ane Combat Club under the tutelage of Megumi Fuji. And obviously, this will be her first fight in MMA or overall since losing to Kana Asakura at Ryzen 11 back on July 29th which in turn led to Kana losing to Ayaka Hamasaki. So, I have to ask, what are your thoughts about the Reina-Samantha Jean-Francois fight, and do you think that Reina's issues with amnesia and weight conditioning will probably help her focus more on this fight? Well, this fight, she's it's supposed to be a few more a few more kilograms above, right? It's or pounds above, right? Than the last fight was supposed to be. It's supposed to, that one was supposed to be at one hundred five. I think this one's at one twelve. I think. Uh, yeah, fifty-one kilograms, one hundred twelve point four pounds. So presumably she won't die or come close to death for a weight for the weigh-in. I hope. Um. You know, I watched the uh, the the Rising Confessions video that they just did on uh on her and uh and uh Samantha Jean Francois and Reina said that she was so embarrassed that she didn't make weight that she didn't leave her house for like a week. Um, 
and they were showing all these these like tweets that people were tweeting to her in Japanese saying like you're a disgrace Reina you don't have warrior spirit or whatever stuff like that and so she said she was so embarrassed by by that um but I mean like I I I I'm going to say I hope it doesn't affect her um Reina should win this fight very easily she should just give a body punch or a body kick to uh, Samantha Jean-Francois and put her down in the first round. If she loses, if she loses fights, then Reyna should go to one because oh no, no no because she and then she'll be tormented by those damn one championship devils. Well, here's um also she uh this was also the Ryzen 34 uh trash video. She also said that uh. As long as Ayaka is champion, she will not fight for that belt in Ryzen. So that's why she's also moving up. So that's why she's also... Um, and so, um... Hold on. Hold on a second, Christian. Uh, Joseph really wants to join in. How do you... Uh, do you know how you, uh... How you... Ugh. I'm going to try one more time with him. I'm going to try one more time. Okay, because we were just getting into a nice conversation about this fight. Now, I'm, now he's not available. Now he's not available. Okay. So I'm going to exit out. I'm going to turn off Skype. Understandably so. Shall we continue? Yes. Yeah, so, uh... Well, you edit it out? Do you want to start from the, or should we start from the beginning? What do you want to do? Nah, I think we can continue. Okay. So as I was saying, um, uh, with Reyna, yeah, you know, she said that she won't fight for any championship while Ayaka, because they're training partners. Uh, so that's why she's also moving up. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, she also said that she has aspirations to tra to fight overseas in America. By the way. Not, uh, not Singapore. Um. I can understand that because, I mean, what's every fighter's, what is every foreign fighter's big dream? Uh, yeah, you know, to fight, you know, internationally. Get a name for themselves. All that stuff. Yes, yes, I can agree with you on that, but it's mostly to fight in America. That's true, that's true. Um. So, hope you know Reyna should win this fight pretty easily. I, 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 you know, I don't. I, I previously did a thing on Samantha when she was supposed to fight in Ryzen fourteen. Um, I'm not gonna go through her whole thing again, but right, I don't think that 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 she has the uh, she has the she has the ability to beat Reyna if if Reyna comes in there to win that fight, and like you know, doesn't it, like. Doesn't let her mind get ahead of her. What do you think? Mm -hmm. uh, I think you're right about that. And of course, the topology fan base are basically saying that Samantha, spicy Samantha, ain't got a snowball chance in hell because Raina, according to the topology predictors, they have her as a 92% favorite to win this fight. No surprise there. No surprise there. I, I, Reyna has to win by knockout. Like, that's the only way this fight can go. If it goes anywhere, like... Reyna should be ashamed if she loses this fight. 
She really should. Oh, yeah, but I hope she that. I mean, I hope that Raina won't be ashamed to the point where, you know, she has no one else to turn to and she just has to go to that damned one championship. Or she'll just have to stay at home and play with her Bulldogs. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, not like that. I mean, it's not like there's any problem with that. I mean, I'm pretty sure she would love to spend time playing with her, but, I mean, playing with her mutts, no disrespect. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, hopefully this will get Raina back on the track uh, for what she wants to do as a fighter. Ah, uh, yes, of course it will. Hopefully it will, because I'm just hoping that... I'm just hoping that she'll be steered toward the right way as far as you know, getting back on the winning track goes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, now the next fight we're going to get to as far as the Wikipedia fight catalog, the Wikipedia fight listings are concerned, is a flyweight bout, a women's flyweight bout between Shinju, Juju, Nozawa, that's my baby! Oh, Claire, and Orozco. First of all, a little info on Orozco. She's five foot five, one hundred and twenty-five pounds, age twenty-seven, born May the twelfth, nineteen ninety-one, fighting out of Legion MMA, and hailing from Monterrey, Nuevo León, Mexico. She has an MMA record of four and two. And she is looking to prove herself, I mean, not just to herself, but the entire country of Mexico as the first Mexican fighter to fight inside the rising ring. So I'm pretty sure that she's going to have the entire, the entire country looking to cheer for her. And considering the fact that there are... I mean, there is like a big Mexican contingency that lives in Japan as well as a Brazilian contingency that lives in Japan. So I'm pretty sure that the Mexican contingency are going to come out in droves for Miss Orozco. Now, as far as Miss Juju is concerned, she is 2-1 overall as far as being a professional MMA fighter, 5 feet 8. 124.7 pounds. She is the daughter of a famous Japanese comedian named Naoko Nozawa. 25 years old, born October the 29th, 1993, in New York City, fighting out of Team Caesar Gracie, I think, in San Francisco, California, by way of Santa Ana, California. And of course, if you last kept track, Shinju lost to Justina Zofia Hava, the Polish Laura Krop, via submission, via sleeper hold, at Ryzen 14, 3 minutes, 41 seconds of round number 2, after defeating her first two opponents, Puma star Sheena Brandenburg and Chelsea Lagrasse, with ease, via armbar. So, seeing the fact that this is Shinju's first fight since the loss to Justina Hava, and the fact that she's basically fighting somebody that's, I mean, that unless you really follow Mexican MMA, she's not really well known. How do you think this will affect her? Um, well, 
I think that that first fight, I think that they originally they wanted Shinju Okada to win. I really do believe that. I don't think that they were booking her against an 0-0 fighter to come out and lose the end. So now she's got a little bit of a tougher opponent now. Someone who's 4-2. Someone who I've watched a few of her fights. Uh, she fought for, um, what was it, uh, Lux Fight and uh, Gex, I think it's called. Gex MMA? Uh, yeah, the most known promotion that she has fought for is the Lux Fight League. I should know because the event that she fought on, I mean the event that Orozco last fought on was streamed live on Twitch.tv. And on YouTube. Here's the thing, though. I've here she this uh, Saturday Orozco is a good MMA fighter, but not a great MMA fighter. If that makes any sense. She's good. Right, right, right. She's good against competition in Mexico, but when it comes to other competition, I don't know if she's gonna be able to stack up against against them. I'll say this: she's good in the stand up. She's a very good. She's a very good Santa fighter, um, but I haven't really seen her go to the ground that much. And that's Shinju's. That's how Shinju's won all of her other matches was on the ground. So I think that this match going on the ground would favor Shinju, and also the fact that also Shinju is much taller than uh, uh Saturday Orozoko by about three inches, maybe more. Um, I would say that Shinju has to win this match. Uh, I don't see, you know, unless, unless Orozoko, I like saying that name, she gets some lucky shots in and can knock out Shinju, I don't think, I I don't see how that, uh, I think that Shinju could easily get this, could use her, her length and her, and her reach to get it down to the ground and then, uh, then, uh, submit her that way. Make, uh, get, and get, uh, three, become three and one. Mm-hmm. And the Topology fan base are saying that Shinju is the overwhelming favorite with 83% of the vote. But do you think that Miss, I mean, do you think that Senorita Orozco will probably come in as the, I mean, do you think that she'll be fighting like an underdog? So to oh, absolutely, yes. I'm she absolutely, she absolutely will be. Um... She absolutely will be fighting uh, as as the underdog. Um, yeah, but I'm basically saying, do you think with the fact that Orozco has more experience that she'll probably be coming in looking to fight like an underdog? Oh, okay, I get what you're saying. Um, well, this is the first person that she's fought um, who's had an actual record in MMA. Uh, Shinju, I mean. Um, mm-hmm. I would say she, yeah. I would say, I would say so. Even though she's got the, she's got more fights under her belt, more wins. I would say she's still definitely the underdog in this match. I think that a lot of people are expecting Shinju to win this, and for uh, Sare, uh, uh, you know, you know, I think that a lot of people are expecting that all oh, that Sare Orozoko is going to be coming in to uh, to lose this, this bout to her. I think that's, I think that's what the goal is for this fight is to bring Shinju back. You know. She lost against an 0-0 fighter previously. Now she can defeat a fighter who's four and two. That raises her stock as a fighter, and also, you know, gets a win under her belt, three and one. You know, it gets her, you know, it gets her, you know, to that potential, you know, flyweight tournament that uh that's been talked about for the woman. Mm-hmm. 
I can understand. What that. do you think, Christian? I mean, I mean, when it comes down to that particular fight, I know the only reason why I said Orozco is not going to come in fighting like your typical underdog is because of two reasons. Because of the fact that she has the experience factor, but it's because of the fact that she, I mean, if you probably looked at that Lux MMA fight that she had, recently in Mexico City, I mean, you probably know that she doesn't fight like your traditional run-of-the-mill, I mean, I'm not trying to be ethnic with it, run-of-the-mill Mexican, but still, she is probably going to be looking to spoil Shinju's return party, and I think that Shinju should be worried, but I think that if Shinju stays on the straight and narrow and tries to listen to what her corner people have to say, especially Gilbert Melendez, I think that Shinju will probably take this fight. I think so, too. I absolutely think so, too. And hopefully her mother will be in the audience to cheer her on with, That's my baby! <laughs> yeah, of course. <coughs> Excuse me, but, uh, you want... Hey, Christian, uh, I'm gonna... I'm gonna, I'm gonna be going to the bathroom for a second... You can take over for the next fight, but I definitely want to be here to talk about the next fight because that is my most exciting fight that I'm looking forward to. But I'm, I will be gone for a little bit. Oh, okay. And that fight that Andrew was talking about is the Battle of the Undefeated so far in their young, respective MMA careers. This next bout will be a flyweight contest. Just like the Shinju Orozco fight, pitting Polish military expert Laura Croft, the Polish Laura Croft, Justina Zofia Hava, versus the undefeated 6 one Kanawat Tanabe. First of all, the particulars Justina Zofia Hava, 5'5, 124.9 pounds, 28 years of age. January 25th, 1991, representing Gracie Bala fighting out of Reslo, Poland. And of course, her first professional MMA fight after getting two bouts canceled on her, one of them was supposed to have been against UFC fighter, now UFC contender, Caitlin Blanc, fighter Joe Keiki, and she obviously was the person to defeat Shinju Juju Nozawa Claire via sleeper choke at Ryzen 14, second round, 3 minutes, 41 seconds. But she'll be looking to improve on that momentum in what will probably be the biggest test to date in her career as she faces off against Japanese standout Kana Watanabe. The particulars on Watanabe, 5'6", 125.9 pounds, she is 30 years old, age, no, she is 30 years of age, born August 21st, 1988, representing Fighters Flow and hailing from Tokyo, Japan. She is a judoka, she is an accomplished judoka who has won multiple who has won a multitude of all Japan judo championships, placing multiple times and winning in several inter
international competitions. As we all know, she is undefeated in these duels. She is undefeated in Ryzen, obviously 2-0. But this will be her first opponent not named Shizuka Shion Sugiyama inside the Ryzen ring. Sugiyama. I mean, she and her. Uh, what am I trying? Watanabe and Sugiyama had a couple of good fights. Their first one was probably the best, where Watanabe beat via unanimous decision on December 29, 2017, and then 366 days later, Watanabe KO'd poor Sugiyama with a right hook in 11 seconds, and then. Later on, well, then about three, four months later, actually three months later, she knocked out Suleiman Kang via crucifix KO, crucifix punches, four minutes thirty-seven round number one. Andrew, <coughs> this is Andrew. This fight's basically gonna be Hava looking for her second professional victory versus Watanabe. Looking for a win in the rising ring over somebody other than Shizuka Shion Sugiyama. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? Well, um, I happened. To, I heard everything. Um, because my bathroom's actually close by to where my laptop was, so I was able to hear everything. And I'm so excited for this fight because it's against two fighters who are undefeated, two fighters who who have looked great in all their previous fights. I know that's just Inaba has only had one fight. But she looked great in that fight against Shinju. Uh, and Wakanda Watanabe, as you said, you know, she she went in there against, you know, the underdog in her in her rising match against uh, Shinzuki Sugiyama and absolutely murked her in that match. And then the second in the second re in the rematch, did the, uh, knocked her out in seven and uh, whatever it was, eleven seconds. And since then, uh, for Deep Jewels, she has defeated all but one of her opponents. Well, actually, I, I take that back. She's she's defeated all of her opponents, uh, and including and finishing all but two of them, all but one in Deep Jewels. Um, and, and Yokari Nabe, which originally was they wrestled to a decision majority, and then they had a rematch, which went to a decision majority in favor of uh, Kana Watanabe. But this is one of those fights where like I have no idea how it's gonna go. I'm in generally intrigued by both of these fighters and how it can go. I can see Justina Haba winning this. I can see Kana Watanabe winning this. I am... I just, you know, they both are finishers. They both are incredible fighters. I don't know, like, this is so hard to pick, and that's why it's such a compelling matchup for me. Mm-hmm, I can understand that, but... I think that the advantage is probably going to go more towards Kana because she has the most to give. She's obviously the most experienced of the two, and she's obviously going to be the one with the most to learn from it if she loses. Haba, who's only fought in one professional MMA bout and obviously two amateur bouts, prior to that, but that was a long, long, long time ago, like six years ago, Haba is going to have the most to gain from it if she wins. Exactly, and I know, uh, what do the topology people say about this fight? Oh, the 
the topology people are basically saying that Kana is the overwhelming favorite with 85% of the votes. So do you think that Watanabe is the Kana with a shoulder? Oh, it could absolutely could be. You know what? And I, you know, I can, you know, it's so hard to pick a winner for this. I really, you know, I just she does have the M, you know that. But the thing is that, like, even with, the, you know, with the advantage that uh, Shinju had, that didn't help her, and she lost. Ha! You know, it's so funny how that just like that how stuff in MMA works out. You know? Exactly. I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a betting man in this. I'm gonna say that Justina Haba wins this. She finishes Kanawanabe. Here, when Joseph Matos uh, was on the show for the Rise of 14 show, he was all behind Justina Haba. And I admit, I wrote her off. And he was able to do a big victory lap when, uh, when she won that match against Shinju. And you know what? I think that Justina Haba is going to give Kanawanabe her first loss. I'm going to go against the topology people, I'm going to go with just my gut feeling, my gut instinct about Justina Haba, that that a lot of people, just because she's she's 1-0, uh, and she had two amateur fights uh, many years ago, that she's that she's being underwritten as a, uh, she's being overlooked. I don't think people should overlook her. I think Justina Haba is here to stay for Ryzen. I, I think she'll win this fight, and I think she'll definitely be in that flyweight tournament that's going to happen. What do you think, Christian? Hey, I think that, I mean, I know that you want to go for Justina Haba, but I'm going to basically agree to disagree because, I mean, we don't know much about Haba, and truth be told, we don't know much about Kana, but all I do know is that she is going to, she, Kana, she's basically going to go through a tear soon. If she wins this fight against Hava, she is probably going to go through a tear where she'll just be like, I don't want to say like James Harden levels of unstoppable, but she'll be pretty damn close. Question. Uh, depending on who wins this match, and if Shinju wins her match, do you match up Shinju with the winner of this match eventually? At some point, you think? Um, to be quite honest with you, I don't think so, because if you put I mean, because if you put Shinju against Kana, I mean, what's to say that Kana won't demolish Shinju like a regular, I mean, like a basic Barbie doll looking broad? I gotcha. And if you put, and if you put Shinju in a rematch with Haba, I mean, what's to say the same thing won't happen again? Exactly, yeah. Okay, that's a good point. That's an incredibly good point, but I'm I want to put it down on the record that I am picking Haba to win this. I am I'm go, I'm gonna go down my sword with this. I think that Haba is gonna win this. Okay, okay, I get what you mean, man, but don't try and screw around with the majority because you are going to. I mean, because if you do, you're not gonna like the end result. Believe me. That's true. That's true. Yes. 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 So now that we got our picks in for that bout, do you want to go on to the next bout on the card? Certainly. Ah, uh, yes. And obviously, whereas these first three fights were banked, I mean, whereas the first three fights are 
obviously something to give, something to be excited about. This fight, this fight, I mean, this light heavyweight clash is not only going to be a banger, but it's probably going to decipher who is going to be the number one contender to the rise in light heavyweight championship once a first champion is all said and done in the main event. Anyways, the particulars. First of all, for Cristiano Usufrundi, he is 28 years of age, born March the 13th, 1991, in Curitiba, Pajata, Brasil. He is 6 feet 1 inch tall, weighing in at 184.8 pounds, have to bulk up in order to be a part of this fight, and he has a 76 and a half inch reach. Representing Evelu Kaltai MMA, and fighting out of Campina Grande, Uso Pahana Brasil. He will be making his Rise and Fighting Federation debut as a veteran of Immortal FC, Aspella FC, XFC International, The Heel Fighters, Empire FC, Katana Fight, and the Legacy Fighting Alliance. Also, he has not fought since Jan also he's not fought since July twenty first of twenty eighteen. I mean, you have to be you have to be understanding that they can't blame the entire Brazilian MMA decline on the UFC solely. <laughs> but still, his opponent, King Carl Albrechtson, who will be fighting in his first rising contest in a little over a year. Al Buxton, six feet two inch tall, no, six feet two inches tall, weighing 204.9 pounds. He is 25 years of age, age 25, born September the 27th, 1993, and fighting out of CSW Training Center, Huntington Beach, California, no, Fullerton, California, USA, by way of Pancras Gym, Stockholm, Sweden. And obviously, like I said, Albrechtson has not fought in the Rising Ring in a little over a year. He is 2-2 two two in the Rising Fighting Federation. Defeating Vadim Demkov and Teodoros Akstoyev. Losing to Valentin Moldavsky. And to now Rising Light Heavyweight Championship contender Yuri Denisha Prohaska. But since the Prohaska fight, he's bounced back with two victories in Superior Challenge. A win, a knockout win over Dimitri Tedekin, and a knockout win of a former UFC competitor, Josh Dansbury, back in December. So, when it comes down to the Frolic Oblexen fight, what are your thoughts about this, and do you think that the winner of this fight will obviously be the first in line for a light heavy title opportunity? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um,. Carl Albrechtson, one of the most underrated fighters, I think, that, that like a lot of people overlook. Um, here's the thing, that, that jury fight, he was winning that fight until the very end. And if that, just three more seconds, he could have survived, and that round, he, you know, it would have gone to the next round. Um, also, one of the few people to, ev to defeat Vadim Nebkov, who is right now one of the top guys in Bellator right now. Uh, so... You know, Albrechtson is a great fighter. He's not a good fighter. He's a great fighter. 
They are, uh, here's the other thing is also his opponent, uh, Frolic. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Frolic? Fro how you pronounce his last name again? Frolic. Frolic. Frolic, as in like Frolic in the woods. Yeah. Apparently he's a middleweight and he's coming up in weight for this fight, I think. Uh, yeah, he is a middleweight, but let's be real. He's also a protege of the legendary Vonda Lady Axe Murderer Silva. Ah. So you know what he's going to be capable of doing. Um, so actually I want to read a little comment from a, a, a listener, uh, from Dean Honeybadge, who's at Dean Burley MMA, and he said that he's, this is a, the match he's most hyped for because of Carl Albrechtson, and this is what he says about his opponent, uh, Frolic. He's an aggressive Muay Thai guy, Muay Thai guy, perfect for Ryzen. I think he's going to struggle with a guy Carl's size, though. The winner is on the fast track for a title shot against King Mo Ojiri. And I think I have to agree with him. That I think the size difference is going to be a big play in this. Especially with Carl Robertson, a, a, uh, a light heavyweight, going up against a guy who usually fights at middleweight. And I think that I think that Carl Robertson is going to just overpower and steamroll through him. I think he's going to uh, probably will knock him out, actually. Actually, no. I think he'll submit him. I think he'll probably submit him like within the first or second round. Go get him down to the ground, use that catch wrestling, and then go for like an arm triangle choke or arm bar or something. What do you think? I mean, to be honest with you, and I mean, you're saying that Al Brexton will win, right? Yes, yes. Well, to be honest, and I know that you're probably saying this because the Tapology fan base has. Albrechtson at a 92% chance to win, therefore making him the overall favorite. But if you think about it, Frolic is a trainee of Vondelay Silva. Think about the other two. Think about the other two Vondelay Silva trainees that just came through Ryzen and Diego Pandel and Luis Pilla Gustavo, who we'll talk about later in this card review. Those two are certified killers. And you probably might be thinking, oh, well, I don't know if Frolic has that killer instinct, but to be quite honest, Frolic, we probably don't know much about this man, but if he can beat up, I mean, if he can destroy Carl Albertson, that'll make him a bona fide killer. Believe me. Um, oh, I did watch some of his fights, and he is a good fighter. This guy, you know, he can. He is an aggressive, violent guy. Here's the thing, though, as well. Don't forget who, uh, who Diego Brandel's last fight that was in Ryzen was him, was him going, kissing the canvas to a Darian Crookshank, and also the, the, the another guy before that as well, besides uh, Luis Gustavo. The uh, uh. Oh, I didn't know he was a Wanderlei guy, but I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say Minoru Kimura. Oh, 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 yeah, right. We all know the seven-second beatdown he got from Charles uh, Felony Bennett. So that's why, like, you know, I, you know, I'm, uh, uh, Frolic, you know, is, I just don't, I think he's, I don't think he's going to be able to just, to, to, st to stand and go the way that he goes with uh, Carl Arbickson. Carl Robertson, I think, is a just smarter fighter, 
and he's just gonna he's he's not gonna fall into uh he's not gonna fall into uh Froelich's traps and uh and and getting knocked out or anything like that. I think he's just gonna easily take him down and just submit him that way. trains under Vondelay Silva and I know that this dates back to the Brandau days when he was in Verizon, but huh, you have to think there's probably a 100% chance of pure Brazilian violence to go into that Verizon ring. Oh yeah. And I have a feeling that Froelich just yeah, and I have a feeling that Froelich just might shock the world so to speak. And if he does, he absolutely deserves a title shot. Or at least, like, one more match for, and then a title shot. Ah, uh, yes, yes, because if you think about it, the Ryzen Light Heavyweight Division is just starting up, and as long as we don't get any people like Brandon Halsey in it, Gross. I mean, obviously, it'll be a nice little fun division to watch. Exactly. Um... Wanna go move on to the next fight? Ah uh, yes, ah uh, yes. We're gonna I mean, let's go ahead and move on carefully to the next fight. And I know that this next fight is not without its current controversy. This next fight is not without its current set of mishaps. It is it was supposed to have been Kai Asakura versus Yuka, I mean, Yuta Okasasaki, but obviously Yuta Okasasaki went down with a bit of a slight illness, so he's not going to be fighting, at least for a little bit, even though I know that Ray Longo and Matt Serra probably wanted to see him fight just so that they can yell at him some more. So, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Christian. Do you know what the exact reason why why he uh, had to pull out the, pull out the fight? Actually, basically, he said, and I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, that he suffered from a visceral infection. I have no idea what that is, but that sounds really gross. It sounds like you get something going. Let's just say, let's just say it's a place that no man wants to talk about. Exactly. It sounds like he went to the Amazon and some mosquito bit him and gave him, like, something. I have no idea what it is, but, like, it sounds disgusting and really, really painful. Yeah, yeah, no shit. But still, when one door closes, another one opens, as they say. And even though we're not going to get the fight we wanted, is it going to be better than the fight that was intended? And that fight has now been changed. To Kai Asakula versus Justin Tank Scoggins. Now the particulars. Justin Tank Scoggins, five foot seven, one hundred twenty-five and a half pounds with a sixty-six inch reach. Age twenty-six, born May the second, nineteen ninety-two, from South Carolina. More specifically, Spartanburg, South Carolina, USA. He is a Kempo karate expert, but also he is riding a four-fight 
losing streak, and he said a lot of demands when it came down to what are the potential opportunities to fight for the rise in bantamweight title or the rise in flyweight title. But still, this is a guy, you look at a guy, and I'm sorry for going into Chris Collinsworth mode, but this man is four and five. Well, actually, this man is four and six in his last ten. Four and five in the octagon with the UFC. And obviously, 0-1 inside the Ryzen ring, losing to now former deep bantamweight champion Yuki Motoya via Lexus' choke, 3 minutes, 28 seconds of round 1. So he's going to probably not come into that fight with a clear conscience, so to speak. And mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Yeah. As for his opponent, Kai Asakura, 5'8", 138.2 pounds, age 25, born Halloween 1993, representing Triforce Akasaka and Zendokai Toyonaga, fighting out of Toyohashi Aichi, Japan. He is riding a four-fight winning streak, each of those four inside the rising ring. He is probably going to come here with a clear conscience compared to Mr. Scoggins, who's gone through a lot. So I just have to ask, what are your absolute thoughts about this fight? And do you think that Scoggins, after all that we have recently seen from him and his crazy list of demands, and now he's deleted his social media or one of his social media accounts, that he's not coming into this with the right frame of mind. Uh, yeah, we'll just we'll talk about about the demands that he was making. He said that he wanted to, uh, this title, this this match should be uh for the uh, vacant flyweight uh, championship in Ryzen. Well, yeah, to crown the first ever Ryzen flyweight champion for the men. Um, first of all, I don't think this fight was at gonna be at flyweight anyway. It wasn't even close to flyweight. I think it was above the flyweight limit. I believe. Um, oh, actually, actually, this fight, if I'm mistaken, it's at 61 kilos or 135 pounds. So, yes, yeah, Scoggins would be wanting to challenge for the Ryzen Phantomweight Championship, which is currently held by Kyoji Horiguchi. I don't know if that was a mistake on his end or if, like, I don't, like, I don't know what, what what was up with that. But um, regarding... Uh, you know, as you said, he's going. He is on a four-fight losing streak. Um, and if I'm, and like I said, he's four and six in his last ten. And you know, with him deleting his Twitter, ah, God, it just doesn't sound like he might be in the right frame of mind for a, for a fight like this, especially a short nose fight as well. That's the other thing. This this fight is short nose as fuck. Like almost, I think about two weeks. Um, there was a lot of speculation that he was going to be getting. Uh, a fight against Tenshin Nasukawa, but I don't know if that, if, you know what, I don't know, was that fight, I wonder if that fight was supposed to happen, but then when Oka got, got had to pull out, they decided, okay, we're going to have Justin fight uh, Kai, and then we're going to get the new guy fight uh, Tenshin. I wonder if, if that happened, because there would seem to definitely be a lot of indication that he would be fighting Tenshin, uh, uh, Justin, but... You know, as you said, Kai's on a, on a big losing, a big winning streak. Excuse me, big winning streak. Four or five winning streak. All four of them inside the 
other than the uh, Manel K fight, he basically has gone through all of his opponents. Um, uh -huh. What do the Tapology people say? Oh, the Tapology people, they're not showing much sympathy for Mr. Scoggins. Kayasakura is a 70% is a 76% overwhelming favorite going into this fight, but I mean, to be quite honest, when it comes down to Scoggins, I mean, you seen the demands that he posted out before he deleted his Twitter account. I mean, he's obviously not happy about coming into the fight on such short notice, knowing that he was wanting a bigger opportunity, i.e. to fight Tenshin Nasukawa or to compete for the Bantamweight title, but still. The point of the matter is, I think Scoggins needs to suck it up and, you know, try and work his magic. You know, try and find a way to shake off this stride that he's been on because this is the longest stride he's been on in his career, especially stretching through two different promotions. Um, if, if Scoggins does win this, what do you do with him after? What do you think? I mean, I would say, I mean, this... I mean, we all go through mental issues. I mean, I go through them myself. You do, too. But I would basically say check up on him, pretty much. Because, I mean, if he wins this fight, if he wins this fight, there's no telling what he'll do or what he'll say just to, you know, get the people behind him or just scoff, groan, and cringe at him. Um, obviously, if Kai wins this, probably he'll be next in line for a, uh, a, a Bantamweight title shot, I'm guessing. Um, oh, that he will. That he will. I'm just trying to think, like, what do you do with Scoggins after this? Here's the thing, though. Like, did he, I'm wondering, did he, like, I've always wondered why, you know, I remember, um, uh, Jay Hoon Moon said this when he, uh, rematched with, uh, Kai. Actually, ironically enough, Kai Zakura, that I don't know why I took this fight. Is this a case of you think maybe buyer's remorse, where they like they they got offered a lot of money to sign and then they're like kind of thinking like, well, I don't know if I should have signed so quickly or something like that. Or what do you think is why do you think these buyers seem to be, I don't know, not, like almost regretting taking the fight. Not saying that that Justin is no. that Justin's regretting it, but it sounds like he wanted more after the fact. I mean, to be honest, I think he basically saying that he wants a different opponent just to make this four-fight deal that he's on with Ryzen seem like something that's worth his while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, I'm going to pick Kai. You know, I think Kai wins this very easily. Um, Justin Scoggins comes in there, you know, with a different mindset, you know. Hopefully he get a win back, you know, snap that losing streak. But as of now, I don't see how he can't, how he can win this. I think Kai will just be, you know, I don't know if Kai finishes it though. That's the one thing I've been disappointed with Kai is that he hasn't finished any fight since his first, the first matches that he's had in Ryzen. So, you know, but regarding, but besides that, I think that Kai should win this. Hey, I won't be surprised if Kai wins this as well. But either way. Scoggins wins or loses, they need to at least check up on him.
see if you don't do anything stupid. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, uh, speaking of uh, interesting bantamweight matches, we should take a look at the next fight. Because I'm curious to hear your thoughts uh, on that yes. one. Interesting bantamweight fight indeed, but this ain't no damn bantamweight bout per se. Oh, it's not? This, I mean, this is a bout that's in the flyweight division. 58 kilos, 130 pounds. And that fight is between Seichiro Ito, the former Zest flyweight champion, versus El Brother Jail, Manel Cape. First of all, his opponents, I mean, first of all, the particulars, Manel Cape, age 25, born November 14, 1993, in Oporto, Portugal, most recently finding out of American Kickboxing Academy, Thailand, in Phuket, Thailand. He is of Angolan Portuguese descent. Therefore, he is the Angolan Portuguese bad boy. Five foot six, 133 pounds, with a 12 and 4 MMA record. And he has a rising record of 3 and 3. His opponent. Oh, and also, he is a former Ryzen Bantamweight Grand Prix runner-up as well. But he's been on a bit of a controversial streak, so to speak. He's 1-3 in his last four. In the meantime, his opponent, the former Zest Flyweight Champion, Seichiro Ito, 5'4", 127 and a half pounds, age 25, born December 3rd, 1993, fighting out of Reversal Gym Yokohama Ground Slam and hailing from Yokohama Kanagawa, Japan. So that means he's the hometown favorite coming into this fight. And he, and this will be his first rising bout in a little over two years when he defeated former K-1 kickboxer Kizai Monsaiga. So, you got Cape coming in looking to try and make something happen. Versus Ito, the hometown kid, looking to make, I mean, looking to make the crowd excited. I mean, to get the crowd excited in his home prefecture. So, what are your thoughts about this fight? And do you think that Cape might actually, you know, pull something off? Well, um, I don't know if you if you've seen uh, Cape. Uh, Cape has been totally just like dumping on a. Uh... Ito the entire time that this match has been announced. Um, I think they were doing, you know, on Instagram, Ryzen does those. Oh, shit. Don't tell me. Well, well, on Instagram. Don't tell me this dude's basically doing some of his easy money rants. Well, um, please on, don't tell me. On Instagram, it's Ryzen, on the Ryzen official Instagram um, uh, page, they do these open workouts that they'll stream live on Instagram. And uh, Manel Cape was on Ethos and just totally like, just like trash talking him on there, on uh, during that uh the live uh, workout, which I thought I I wasn't there live to see it because it was I don't know what time it was but like, but I seen like pictures from it it was it was fucking hilarious. Um, but there was a Manel Cape also said something else. Uh, let me try to get the quote that he said. Uh, Manel Cape said. Uh, da, 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 da. I have been studying my opponent, and what I have to say is very simple. 
is that there is no rivalry between men and lions. I honestly think he is an interesting opponent, but not for me. I should be fighting with my baby, Azakura. So what he's basically saying is he wants to get his ass handed to him by Kai Asakura. Is that correct? Potentially so, yeah. So basically, Cape is um is overlooking uh what you uh what you call it uh Ito, not taking him seriously at all. I don't. Oh, of course. Um. So you know the thing is that you know Sichiro Ito, Sichiro Ito, excuse me, has been on, on a layoff for about. A, a little bit over about a year was it like a year or two years that he had a layoff of some kind initially oh yeah Ito has not had a fight in the Ryzen ring in two years going up on this fight yeah that doesn't mean he hasn't been busy he's been doing grappling bouts with Hideo Tokoro and Daisuke Tsugi but he most recently lost in MMA he most recently lost his return to the Zest ring Losing to Tatsuki Salmoto at Zest, at Zest 62 back on October 28th. Uh, okay, and so he's on a one-loss losing streak while Manel Cape is on a two-fight losing streak, I believe it is? Or is it one? No, I think it's one. One-fight losing that streak, it. Okay. he's one and three in his last That was it, yes, that was it, okay. Um, you know... I've seen Ito fight before in Ryzen. He's a good fighter. But, you know, you know the, the last fight that McNeil Cape had, he did not prepare well for that fight against Oka Zazaki. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And that's where, basically, he let his ego write a check his ass can't cash. Same thing went for the fight that he had with Kai Asakura. Um, so if he doesn't take Ito seriously, like, I think then, like, it's, he might lose. But I have to think that, I have to say, well, probably have to say that Cape is a better fighter overall, I would say. Um, I think that Cape wins this. I don't know if he's going to finish him, but I can see this fight going distance. I can understand that, and the Tapology fan base are saying that Cape is a pretty, a pretty understanding favorite at 62%. But I think that I'm going to have to once again agree to disagree because I think that Ito is going to probably come in not looking to play around with Cape's antics. He's going to come in, put on for his prefecture in this case. You know, like a lot of people will put on for their city. He's putting on for his prefecture, the entire city and prefecture of Yokohama Kanagawa. And I think that Ito probably might pull, I mean, pull off a miracle, so to speak. Well, actually, you know, here's the other thing as well about the, the topology, um statistics. They're not as, it's kind of, this is the most, I think, is this the most split down the middle I think between the two fighters, as if I'm looking at it correctly, um, in terms of like, I think so. th it seems to be the most. Like all the other fights seem to be very one-sided. This one is a little bit like, uh, it's a little bit split down the middle. 
Um, so, you know, I, you know, if either way, you know, if it's so weird, you know, with Cape, it's like, I'm trying to think of like another fighter who's like comparable to him. Um, but like, it's like if Cape doesn't. Basically, saying he's like the lighter weight version of a King Mo. Yeah, we're like. With more ego. Yeah, here's the thing, you know, Cape. If if Cape doesn't prepare, if he's gonna do his his, his silly antics, here he can still do his silly antics and still win, but he can also still do his silly antics to the point where it's gonna cost him the match, like it did with the uh, Azakura match, um, and uh. If it, it, he can still shit talk and still win like he did with the, um, was it the Ian McCall fight, uh, that happened. I'm yeah, a, the I, controversial Ian McCall fight. Uh, and, uh, I think, I'm trying to think, of like, I wonder, what do you think, you think he'll do anything at the weigh-ins? Think he'll do, like, a slap or a push or anything? I won't be surprised if he doesn't. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, I think I'm going to have to pick Cape with this. If Ito wins, though, I would not be surprised, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be going with Cape on this one. Hey, I won't be surprised if Cape does win, but I'm still picking Ito. Just because of the fact that you don't want to disappoint somebody that's going to be fighting in their own home, town, city, or prefecture in this case. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, he does have the home t the home team advantage, so you know. Uh, but regardless, I'm still going with Cape. Understood. Understood. I ain't got no problem with that. So that's understood. How about this next fight? This uh weirdly uh I, I, a weird weight weight fight. I'm gonna call it. And I'll explain why. Well, that's the thing. It's at catch weight. But it's well, one kilogram above not, the... not necessarily, Andrew. This is a 71 kilogram fight, meaning it's at 157 US pounds. But it's still going to be a pretty exciting bout between Satoru Crazy Eyes, Kitaoka, and Roberto Satoshi de Sosa. First of all, the particulars. Satoru Kitaoka, 42-18-9 and nine overall. 5'5", 165.3 pounds. Age. Born and. Out of Lotus and hailing Shinjuku Endo, Tokyo, Japan. He is a judoka and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practice. A former lightweight king of Pancrase, Deep, and Sengoku, featherweight champion. Or maybe I'm just talking out of my ass here. And, well, actually, what I'm trying to say is he's a damn good fighter, pretty much. A damn good fighter to the point that he actually. A damn good fighter to the point where he's actually considered a JMMA legend. But. And there is a but. He is two and three in five rising appearances. 
losing to Yusuke Yachi, losing to Kichi Strasa Kunimoto, who is now in Bellator, and losing to Diego C.B. Brandao, who is now fighting somewhere in Russia. <laughs> but he also choked out Darren Cruikshank in his Ryzen debut, and he most recently defeated Tatsuya Kawagiri in the headlining bout of Heisei's last Yarnoka. So he's got that going for him as well. In the meantime, his opponent, Roberto Satoshi de Sosa, 5'11", 163.1 pounds. He is 29 years of age, originally from Sao Paulo, Brasil, born in Sao Paulo on September the 19th, 1989. He fights out of, if I'm not mistaken, Bonsai Jiu-Jitsu. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to search for that now. Screw me for my damn research. <laughs> but still, Roberto Satoshi de Sosa is a veteran of Arzalet Fighting, a.k.a. the Real Fighting Championship. And he's also, as many people have noticed, he is a well-decorated jiu-jitsu practitioner, a well-decorated Brazilian jiu-jitsu warrior, I guess. But still, this fight... I know you're saying it's weird. I'm saying it's going to be something interesting. What are your thoughts about this one? And do you think that Satoshi, I mean, Roberto Satoshi de Sosa has a, I mean, has a future in MMA? Well, I just I want to walk back. I'm only saying that at, that at the weight they decided to have this fight at was weird. The fight, though, I'm really looking forward to. Two submission specialists taking on each other. Um... I, you know, well, here's the thing also, you know, the trade-off is also, you know, when people, when two people are so good at, 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 at one martial art, it can almost negate them doing that martial art uh, during the, uh, an, an MMA match. Or like, I guess the most recent example would be MVP versus Paul Daly. Remember that match? From Bellator, where oh, these guys are gonna are gonna is gonna be a slam bang knockout match, and then they grapple for for three rounds. Yeah, of course. So I mean, I don't think that this fight will go that way, but it's interesting because um, Souza never ha is undefeated in MMA. Uh, Kitaoka has never been submitted in an MMA match. Oh, of course, they're gonna push that thing to the death. Also, he's never knocked out anybody in MMA match, as well. Of course, of course. Um, I gotta also talk about like the uh, uh, the uh, Ryzen uh, uh, confessions that he did. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, this was Ryzen confessions thirty three, <laughs> and Kido Oka. Um, uh, what was the quote? Uh. By the way, also just to let you know, Suzo lives in Japan. Uh, for uh, so he came to Japan at 18. Has lived there for 11 years. Um, and he was actually going to get. Yeah, actually, as a matter of fact, he, as a matter of fact, when it comes down to the Souza brothers, Marcos and Roberto Satoshi, they reside in Iwata, Shizuoka, Japan. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, Kitaoka said that MMA means everything to him. He said that he has no family, no girlfriend. That it's like a one-sided love affair with MMA. He says that you're constantly learning. Const it's, co it's, co it's a constant passion. Uh, constant, constant passion. And it makes you think like it, it likes you. Then it beats you down. But the feeling of, of winning is, is so indescribable. And he says that the winning that winning an MMA match is better than ejaculating. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but yeah, I can understand what he was basically saying because yeah. it's basically like what Felony Charles Bennett said, and I don't want to bear repeating it, even though we just said that. But still, I got the matter is. But like you said, Takita Takita Oka MMA is life. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. You know, the funny thing as well. That Souza has said the opposite in that um in that video uh confession video. He said that he said he's not a big fan of MMA and only does it for the money. Oh, in that case, I think people are gonna turn on him a lot. But you know he's a grappling guy. This is a guy who's doing who's doing quintet tournaments, he's doing submission tournaments. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there. You know that a lot. Of, you know that are just don't want to go into MMA for whatever reason. Uh, recently, I forgot the wrestler. There was a, a Russian wrestler um, who's um, he was a guy who beat Kale Sanderson. Um, forgetting his name, but he said that he has no interest in going to MMA ever. Um. Guy's name, fuck. Um, but yeah, there are people. I don't know. I mean, I don't know who he is either. Well, whoever, whoever was a... interested, huh? The one guy who defeated Kale Sanderson during um when they when he, when Kale Sanderson was wrestling uh, said that he uh the Russian guy said that he would have no interest in going to MMA. So you know, not everybody wants to go into MMA, and uh, it even sounds like um that uh that from the way he was talking, Suzo doesn't want to be in MMA for a long time. Um. And so, um, they were also just comparing each other's, like, types of, uh, their, their jiu-jitsu, their submission skills, where Souza has a modern, uh, jiu-jitsu approach, um, they, it was basically, he was basically compared to Crone Gracie, um, that's what they compared to. Oh, and, uh, I think you were talking about the guy that Kel Sanderson lost to, Albert Sarito. Yes, that guy, that guy. Um... But again, you know why I'm looking forward to this fight a lot. It's a very compelling matchup between two submission specialists, and I honestly don't know who to pick. Uh, my guts would say Souza because he could probably he has one one win by TKO. I could see him TK, uh, winning that way over Kitaoka. But I can almost see. I want to say that one of these guys is going to submit the other, but I have no idea who could you know. Who can submit and how? It's a tough fight to pick a winner for. It really is. The really, it's a really good, great, compelling matchup. But um, uh, 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 I have a gun to my head right now, and I'm forced to pick. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna maybe go. I'm gonna be the underdog. I don't know what the uh, tapology people say yet, but I'm gonna say that Kitaoka submits Souza. Understand your bravery and courage, but the tapology people have spoken, and they, uh, I mean, they voted seventy-four percent out of a hundred percent. 
to see Satoru Kitaoka get mollywhopped by Roberto Satoshi de Sosa via submission. What do you think, Christian? Though, what do you? How do you think this fight will go? If it's a if it's a fight between two Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners, I just hope they don't grapple fuck for fifteen minutes. I just hope it'll be a nice little submission war between two men that are just looking to tear some body parts limb from limb. Because I can't see Kitaoka knocking him out. Because Kitaoka really doesn't go for knockouts. Oh, of course you can't. Um. Mm-hmm. Neither does De Sosa. So you think that Souza takes this then? I'm also just going to say that Kitaoka has has more has just so much more MMA under his belt that he's just going to know how to fight a better MMA fight. This is probably the highest caliber opponent also that that Satoshi has fought um in his entire in his seven fights. So this is a big step up. This is an incredible but step up. Fought, but he's rolled around on the mat with better opponents though. And grappling opponents, that's a thing. Um that's you know, grappling is a lot different than an MMA match, you know. I know, you know, it could turn into a grappling match for all you know. It could be, they can just, you know, not even strike at all. But, you know, I don't I don't think the fight will go that way. I think if it does go to ground, I think that Kitaoka is just going to sneak in a submission somehow. I don't know what submission, but I think he's going to do that. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. just my take on it. Uh-huh. And what about this next fight that we got? Oh, yeah. The next fight... The next fight is going to be at the same weight class as the DeSosa Kitaoka fight. And I'm probably going to ask you about this lightweight Grand Prix that... I mean, that Ryzen is planning to have. But let's just go on with the particulars for this next fight. champion 
fighting out of Brave Gym and hailing from Misato, Tokyo, Japan. And of course, this marks his Rise and Fighting Federation debut. After going 6-0 inside the deep ring of a cage, most recently defeating Satoru Kitaoka for the deep lightweight title back on October 27th at Deep 86th Impact. Now, a lot of people know about, a lot of people don't know about Koji Takeda, but they're looking to know more about him. Do you think that he'll, you know, breeze his way to victory over Damian Beatdown Brown, or do you think that this crazy koala is probably going to kick Takeda's ass and knock him off his perch? Well, just also, I'm going to have to give a slight correction to you, uh, Christian, about where uh, Damian Brown trains. He now has his own gym in Brisbane, Australia, called Base Training Center uh, that he runs. It actually opened up just a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. So he's no longer at Integrated okay, MMA. That's cool. Um, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, but, uh, so, uh, just to let everybody know, we did talk to Damian Brown. Uh, the interview is available on SoundCloud and on Stitcher. Uh, where we talk about this fight, and one of the things that um, you know, you know, Takeda is still a young fighter. He only has eight. He's only he's he's undefeated, and the last person he defeated to win that deep lightweight championship was Satoru Kitaoka. So, you know, he defeated a high level opponent, and I didn't see the fight, but apparently he made his face into a uh, ground meat, is what I heard. Um, now here's the thing, though. Damian Brown, we have seen what he could do with takedowns. If Kagoji Takeda, and I've watched a few Takeda's fights, if Takeda goes for a takedown, a takedown, he can get submitted very easily by Damian Brown, who's a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, the other thing as well is Damian Brown can take a beating. There's a, you know, he's he's going to beat down for a reason, but he also can take a beating. You know, he st- he stood pretty much toe to toe with uh, Darren Cookshank. Uh, and took some of those nasty elbows and pu- and uh, and punches to the face and didn't go down. Um, so you know that this, you know the other thing as well is Koji Kikeda hasn't finished a fight. I think in his last three or four fights, I don't believe he's finished any of his fights. So that tells you that okay, it means that people could be figuring out his his game plan, but they're still losing to it. But also that he's he can, they can also they could potentially ride the wave and. Finish him in a later round, potentially. Um, so you're basically saying that Brown is going to defeat Takeda. I'm saying right? that I think that Brown's going to defeat Takeda. I think that Takeda's going to make a mistake. Uh, he's going to leave himself open, and he's going to get submitted. It's going to go down the. It's going to go exact. I think it's going to go exactly like the uh, Darren Kirchner fight. Uh, it's going to go down to the ground, and that's where Damian Brown's going to win the fights. <clears throat> I see. Well, the topology fan base is not really on your side here. They have not been on my side the entire the entire time, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, of course. But like I said, topology has the fight going the way of Takeda, 63% out of 100. I don't blame him for that. He's undefeated, and he's, uh, you know, he... But I just don't see what Takeda has that he can defeat Brown with. I honestly don't see well, how... Uh, I mean, to be honest, that's the whole point of 
finding out for yourself just how talented the guy is. Oh yeah. Um but I think that I think that Takei is gonna try to take down Brown and it's just he's gonna leave himself open and he's gonna get submitted that way, just like Darren Cruikshank did. What do you think, Christian? How do you how do you think this fight goes? I think that I mean I'm basically just I'm basically saying that even though Takeda is undefeated, even though Takeda is basically currently riding the wave of momentum on his shoulders from an undefeated run in EFC. I think that Damien beat down Brown with the right type of fight skill. He's going to probably break that momentum from him. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people wrote Damien Brown or writing Damien that or writing off uh, Damien Brown for this fight just because the guy he's facing is undefeated. And in fairness, he has looked good in all of his fights. But, you know, there is, there's always, you know, Damien Brown is a step up in competition. Don't let his record fool you. He's a his record doesn't speak to what type of fighter Damian Brown is. And if Koji Takeda is not smart, he can, and I think he will get submitted in this match. Mm-hmm. Which makes me when it comes down to that quote, the record doesn't make the fighter. I mean, that makes me kind of feel dumb for even doubting Justin Scoggins. Oh, and the same thing with Scoggins is a bit, you know. He's a better fighter, as well. and he's you know when we did the interview of him for his fight Rising Fourteen, he uh, he even said that he was winning his fights, but then he just fucked up, and you know that you know that's what happens, and you know, and Koji Kikeda could uh, you know the only advantage that he has is he can take he can since he's eight and zero he uh he can still you know take this fight, you know, in a different way than, you know, how he's all been fighting all his previous fights because he's still, there's still that little bit of that unknown factor, you know, with him. Aino is still young for an MMA fighter. So, you know, I'm just curious to know, um, would you uh, match up uh, the winner of this with the winner of um, Souza and uh, Kitawoka, Christian? Oh. I think that I mean, unlike the flyweight bouts I basically complained over, I wouldn't mind seeing. I wouldn't mind seeing one of these two, either Brown or Takeda, face off against somebody like Roberto Satoshi de Sosa or Sato Kitaoka, because then it would be a true striker versus grappling matchup. Mm-hmm. And then we also got that fight. Fight. We also got that lightweight tournament that's supposed to be coming up this year. So you know the winner of this could go on to uh, face. Uh, you know could go on to be in, entered into that tournament. Uh, actually, the lightweight tournament, not the flyweight. Yeah, excuse me, the flyweight. Yeah, the well, there was also talk of a woman's. There, there was there was talk of a woman's flyweight tournament as well. Um, Kana Watanabe talked about it uh, being a rising. So yeah, I was just getting my I was getting my, my, my weight classes mixed up. But they're both supposed to be having tournaments this year. But the lightweight one should be happening. Hopefully by summer. Yeah, hopefully so. I mean I'm pretty sure they're gonna probably be putting together the particulars for that 
after the tournament, I mean, after this event is over. Exactly. And uh, if you want to talk about a fight that can have many fireworks, I think the next fight we should go on to. Yes, was also I'm also gonna reference the uh, Rise and Confession 33 video where they profile both Azakura brothers, and I've seen them compared to the Diaz brothers. And I think it's a pretty right comparison, um, and so um, they do talk with uh, Mikuru, and um, what was it? I'm, I'm, oh, I'm also gonna correct you. Uh, Yachi did not look at the lights; he looked down at the floor. I'll never forget that knockout, Christian. He went, his face oh, kissed right, the canvas. Right. <laughs> um, right, right. Course, so, the, so they broke down, uh, they actually broke down that fight for Mikuru during the Rise of Conventions video. Mikuru said that Gustavo has a long reach and strikes from a distance. He said that, that Gustavo has no fear in getting hit, but his stand-up isn't varied. He said that Gustavo is overtly protecting his head and is leaving his body wide open to buy shots. And said that he has no stamina. But he recovers quickly. Uh, says that Gustavo has no stamina, but recovers quickly. Uh, Mikuru said that he plans to move forward and go to the body. He says fighting backwards would not be a good strategy. Um, and so, um, also Mikuru is also very crazy as well. He said that um, uh, he said that uh, he, he said it doesn't matter if if 
if people are sad if he dies because he'll be already dead. And that uh, he wrote his will in 2000, uh, on his cell in 2016 just in case if he does die during a fight. Wow. But about that. So, so he's basically going out death by fight. Exactly. So we got two known killers in the ring. Um, both have the same win record. Oscar has one loss, but has never been finished. Both these guys are finishers. Both these guys are, are not afraid to throw down. Both these guys are hard, vicious strikers. This is another fight that I'm really looking forward to because I have no idea, you know, how it's going to go. Um, it's like, here's the thing. Mikro's going up. Well, they're, they're both, uh, well, it's a catch weight. So they're both kind of going up in weight a little bit. But they're going up at a, uh, at a, uh, um, at a, at a weight that they both agree to. Um, do you know if this fight has elbows or not, Christian, by any chance? Christian? Huh? Oh, sorry, do you know this fight? Oh, well, is this about, do you know this fight? Oh, do you know this fight has elbows allowed? Uh, I don't know. We'll probably know, we'll probably know by this week when they release the full fight listing, the full fight schedule, at least, when they actually announce the fight card. Okay. Um, I don't know if elbows are going to be allowed. I won't be surprised if they are. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, you know, flip of a coin, I'm going to have to go with Mikuru on this by knockout. I think this fight doesn't go beyond the first round. I think somebody's going to kiss the canvas or look up at the lights. Um, hey, you say Mikuru, I hate to disagree with you again, but I think Gustavo is going to basically look for Mikuru because like I said before about fighters that come out of Evolucal Tai, they are known killers. Uh, what's, I mean, and also, it's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, I know that Gustavo has also finished all of his fights while Mikuru hasn't, but he's he has finished all of his Ryzen fights and uh, has you know has a few submission wins, uh, but not as many as uh, Gusavo. Um, are this? I want to see. The, I'm just going to look up the age difference. Um, 22. Okay, Gusavo's 22. Uh, Mikuru is a little bit older. Uh, you know, I'm just going to have to go with. I'm going to have to go with. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I actually have to correct myself. He didn't finish all of his fights in Ryzen. He didn't finish the dropback fight. That's the one fight he didn't finish. But, uh, oh, but I, th- I have to go with Azakura. I think that Azakura is going to fight this. I think that Gustavo, yeah, you know, he comes from a, a, a camp of killers. But you know what? I, don't, I think he's going to leave himself open. And he might just get knocked out by, 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 a, by a punch from uh, Mikuru. Like he said, you know. Um, he leaves himself open to buy shots, and he said that's how he's going to attack him. If uh, if Gustavo doesn't uh, doesn't be aware of that, he can go down not by getting knocked out, but by you know a kick to the liver, a kick to the, to the ribs. You know, that's how that's how I think this this fight will go, and I don't think it'll go beyond the first round. I'm so excited for this fight, though. I gotta say. Mm-hmm. I understand. This actually, I think, I think overall, this might be the best books rising card so far. I think, mm-hmm. in terms of just like mm-hmm. fat ma- fight matchups. Can't disagree with you. 
Uh, did you read the uh, Tapology people, uh, Christian? Oh, oh, my apologies, my apologies. I, I almost dozed off for a second before you said that. My bad, my bad. The Tapology folks have Luis Killer Gustavo with an 80% upswing to be the overwhelming favorite for this fight. Um, also, uh, Mikaru says that he wants to fight Yusuke Yachi at some point as well uh, during the Rising Confessions video. So hey, that would be a fun fight. I wouldn't mind seeing that. And uh, he also does say he wants to be in the lightweight tournament as well. And, you know, even though I know Luis Gustavo is a featherweight fighter, um, I think that if he wins this, I think he should be entered into the into the lightweight tournament even though he's not a, a, he's not a normal, he doesn't fight normally at, at lightweight. Um, but you know, this fire is going to be fantastic. It's going to be, it's going to have a lot of fireworks. It's going to be exciting. I cannot wait for this, this matchup. It's going to be, if this, if, if, if I hope this doesn't turn into like MVP and, uh, Paul Daly, I really hope it doesn't. I, I, I pray it doesn't. Yeah. Basically where you're trying to see two guys beat the shit out of each other and then you get a wrestle fuck fest for 15 minutes. Exactly, exactly. I don't think this will be a wrestle fuck fest at all. I really don't think so. Mm-hmm. Now, we're gonna do a little things different when it comes down to these last four fights. We're gonna probably go in order. We're gonna talk about the MMA co-main event before talking about the kickboxing bouts. And the MMA co-main event is a 132-pound, 60-kilogram bout between the current rising bantamweight world champion, the Kiyoji Horiguchi, versus Ben Ten Nguyen, the douchebag stopper. <laughs> First of all, Ben Ten Nguyen, 17 and 8 overall, 5'5", 125 pounds, with a 65-inch reach. Age 30, born in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, USA. On August the 3rd, 1988, he fights out of Nitro MMA, if I'm not, no, wait, actually, no. He fights out of Tiger MMA in Muay Thai in Phuket, Thailand, by way of Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, by way of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He is coming off of a UFC tenure where he had a 3-3 three three record, defeating Altekin Alf Oskilic, Ryan Baby, actually he went 4-3 inside the octagon. He defeated Altekin Alf Oskilic, Ryan Babyface Benoit, Revolutionary Gene Herrera, and Tim Elliott, who in the Rise and Confessions video they mentioned was the guy that defeated Hiromasa Ojikubo. But he also lost to Luis the last Smoker, UCA Formiga da Silva, and more recently, Wilson Hayes. And this was all after he TKO'd that douchebag Julian Raval, and then defeated Reese Lightning McGlynn, who's currently fighting for one championship. His opponent is the reigning and not defending Bantamweight champion of the world in the Rising Fighting Federation. Kiyoji Five feet four inches, 133.9 pounds with a 66 inch reach. 
age 28, on October the 12th, 1990, in Takasaki, Goodman, Japan, fighting out of American Top Team, the legendary American Top Team, and hailing from Coconut Creek, Florida, USA, by way of Takasaki, Goodman, Japan. He is riding an 11-fight MMA win streak, dating all the way back to his first big loss to Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson in the latest fight stoppage in UFC history for the flyweight title back on April 25, 2015. This will mark four years since that fight, and he's been on an absolute tear with the exception of the Tension Nasukawa kickboxing bouts at Rising 13. And he is currently undefeated in Rising competition with a record of 8-0. So, I just have to ask, even though I all want to see at least some type of effort from Benton to win, how bad do you think Kyoji Horikuchi is going to whoop up on this boy? <laughs> um, well... Again, I think that Ben 10 win is a fire whose record doesn't speak for itself. Or who, you know, again, you know, the fire makes the record. The record doesn't make the fighter. Um, you know, he had only two losses in the UFC, and then he was, was it was two losses, right? And then he got cut. Uh, actually, three losses. Sorry, excuse me, three losses. But two back to back. Okay, gotcha. And um, well, here's the other thing as well. What do you think about this fight not being for the championship match? Uh, since it, he, he is fighting the Bantamweight champion, but he's not fighting for the belt. What are your thoughts on that, Christian? Do you think that's a little bit weird? Uh, I, think they're, I think they're right in doing that because they want to find the right opponent for Horiguchi. They don't want to basically give somebody that just made his way into the UFC by, I mean, that just made his way into Bellator off of the fact that the UFC probably might be getting rid of the flyweight division within the next 18 months. The thing is that, though, that I'm a little bit concerned about is what happens if, if Ben Nguyen does beat Horiguchi? Then he would absolutely have a right to a title shot. Then he's got... Yeah, he will absolutely, he will absolutely have a right to a title shot, but after Horiguchi goes over to the States and fights somebody other than you know, Darian Caldwell. I don't know. If he defeated Horiguchi, I think he would have a better a better case for a title shot than Darian Caldwell. I really do. And anyway, Darian Caldwell will be fighting for the uh that'd be for the Bellator championship Bantamweight championship. That wouldn't that wouldn't affect the that wouldn't affect the Ryzen championship. Um Yeah, it wouldn't affect the Ryzen champion, but if Horiguchi does defeat Caldwell for the Bellator belt, it will basically show that Horiguchi will be kind of busy on that end. I see, I see. I just think it's really strange because, like, I don't know, it's almost like what, what w, it's when WWE books one of their fighters, uh, one of their wrestlers to have a, uh, one who has a title to have a non-title match and they have and they have them lose. It's like, why? It's kind of just, I'm, I'm just perplexed by it, you know. My, why not just have it at just you know 132? They're having at 132. You know a few extra pounds won't make a difference. You know why not just have it as a title fight? You know. 
Um, I get what you mean. You know, it's also interesting. Another statistic. And, uh, by the way, the Tapology fan base are basically not giving Ben 10 to win a fighting chance because they voted 94% overwhelmingly to see Horiguchi work up on Ben 10 to win, meaning that Horiguchi is the overwhelming favorite. I got you. Um. So basically, uh, I know I know that people are running off Ben 10 win and probably yes Horiguchi win. But here's the other thing I got to point out as well. Um, do you know that Ben 10 win has a higher finishing rate than Kyoji Horiguchi? Oh wow! Do tell, do tell. So you know, so, um, Ryzen came out with these like these finishing statistics for all their fighters. Um, it's in a graphic format. Let me see if I can try to find it. But um, I think they had um, they had a uh, Ben at eighty percent or eighty-two percent finishing. Um, and then Horiguchi was at sixty. Let me see if I can try to find. It. Okay, here it is. Okay, so Kyoji Horiguchi has a sixty-two percent finishing rate. While Ben Nguyen has an 81 percentage finishing rate. Which is very surprising to me. Um, so here's what I... My, my thought on this fight was... I could see Ben Nguyen finishing Horiguchi. But I could see Horiguchi going, you know, three rounds. And then, you know, just, just working over uh, ben, uh, ben Nguyen for three rounds. And getting a win that way. Is that all? Is it, what do you think about that? Does that sound like a little bit of an odd uh, way to uh, approach the fight? That I could see Ben Wynn finishing it, but not Horiguchi? Uh, kind of, sort of, because of the fact that the dude, obviously, Ben Ten Wynn has been riding a bit of a losing streak, but that's not to say that his record doesn't make him. He made his own record. But the record doesn't make the fighter, as you mentioned before. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, I would not be surprised if Benton Nguyen pulls off a miraculous upset. But I just don't think that he can beat Kyoji Horiguchi. I just don't. I know, I know, I understand. I'm picking Horiguchi to win this as well, but, you know... I can see this going all three rounds. I can really see it not, you know, not going to a finish. Um, yeah, that's like, I'm going to pick Horiguchi. I think it's going to go all three rounds. I understand you. I understand, but hey, only time will fail. That's all I got to say about that. Mm -hmm. Now, the next fight we're going to be talking about, since we're alternating between formats, and since we've been on for a good Gomez Bo 
Tailgate Mahalia fights out at the Shooter Box Academy in Kulatiba Pahana Brasil, the legendary Shooter Box Academy. He is a veteran of Rise. He is a veteran of Rise, and I think Knockout, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if you have the particulars or any more info on these two guys, so I'm just going with what I know. His opponent, Taiga Kalabe, a veteran of K1, a veteran of Rise. He also fought one time in the Rising Ring, fighting Kento Haraguchi to a majority draw at Rising 13. Back on September 30th on the same fight card where Tenshin Nasukawa fought Kyoji Horiguchi and won. Taiga represents the Try Hard Academy, fighting out of Sagami Hara, Kanagawa, Japan. Also alongside fellow kickboxers Ryuka Ampo, Ryuji Horio, Shintaro Masakula, and his brother Hiroya Karabe, who also fought in the Rise and Fighting Federation. So I just have to ask. What are your thoughts about this fight, and do you think that there might be some parallels between this fight and the Tenshin Nasukawa Fritz Biagton fight? Uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, Tiger sucks. I'm saying it right now. I'm I'm gonna come out there. He looked awful in his Rise match. He hasn't won a fight in quite a few years. He went to a draw in his in his match with Kento Haraguchi in Ryzen when Kento Haraguchi knocked uh. uh Whoever kicked his opponent to death in Rise in 25 seconds, easiest payday he probably ever got. Tiger sucks now. He's 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 not good. He's not he's not. Whatever fighter he was years ago, he is not the same fighter for whatever reason. I have no idea why, but um, Ferreira I think is gonna win, and I hope wins. If Tiger wins, good for him because you know it'll be great to see him uh, make a comeback. But you know. Lately, Tiger's, Tiger's performances have been awful. And I really think, I wish that, you know, people would, would say it more often because it needs to be said. If, if, if Go back and watch watch his fight, uh, Tiger's fight that he had in Ryzen. Uh, Rise, excuse me. I apologize for getting who he fought um, in uh, Rise. I'm going to look up right now um, for the uh, tournament. It was uh, Sexon. It was Texan, uh, that he lo- that he lost to, and he looked he looked terrible in that match. He really looked honestly awful. Like for a guy who's f- who who's from a kickboxing family, his brother uh, Hiroki is also a kickboxer from the Try Hard Gym, you know. And this and a guy who's been saying he wants to fight Tension, you know what? I don't. Is this, I give I give I don't want to see this guy fight Tension because I know he's gonna lose. And how would you guess that? Oh, he would lose in the first round. He would absolutely lose in the first round. Tiger would get knocked out by tension in the first round. I have no... But as, but as far as this fight... You oh, this fight, Bahalia. yes. <laughs> as far as this fight, you got Bahalia defeating yes. Tiger, correct? Uh, yes. He also, he fought Suakim. Suakim in the, um, uh, in the uh, Rise fight. And he knocked down Suakim twice. But he only, he lost in the end because he got kicked in the right place in the body, got deep kicked to the body, and so you know I was I admired him and Hector Santiago were the two guys who, who I came away with who I didn't know about who were like I want to see these guys fight again, 
And I'm glad that, uh, Fahir, how do you pronounce his last name again? Fahirha? Fahalia. Fahalia, uh, you is gonna... gotta remember, man, when it comes down to Brazilian Portuguese names, the R's always sound like H's. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, I'm glad he's getting a chance in a bigger stage on Ryzen, and I hope he wins the fight against Taiga and, uh, gets a bigger name for himself. I think he knocks out Taiga. Huh. You're basically not even picking... I mean, you're not even... You're not even having any, you know, remorse about that pick? No. Not when... Not when Taiga has been giving awful... What's awful in his rise... In his... In that rise kickboxing match. Um, I'm also gonna look up... I'm just gonna double-check his record, because I think he's on a four or three-fight losing streak, uh, Taiga. Um... Uh, okay, while you're at it, what's Fahelia's kickboxing record as well? Uh, I'm going to try to find that one. That one will probably be a lot harder to find, but, uh, um, we got, let's see, okay, so yes, he, well, he has one draw, his, his last, the last, he last won a fight in June of 2017, Taiga, and he lost against Staros X Acoustidas from Greece? I yeah. I destroyed his last name, but uh, we'll just call him Saros. You could ba- you could have basically called him by his first name. Saros. He lost against Win Quangbang in uh from China in Kunglun. He had the 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 draw in Ryzen after that, and then he just recently lost to 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 Juzu uh in uh Ime Legend thirty six uh this year. Oh yeah, that's in China. And this year, and then he had he lost uh, the rise one as well. So he's on for this year. He's lost two fights this year, and barring the the draw, he's on a one, two, three, four fight losing streak. And one of those losing oh, streaks, one of those losing streaks was was losing to a guy who doesn't have a Wikipedia record, again knocked out. In the first round, by the way, in the first round. So I have no reason, I have no, I am, have no expectation for Tyga to do any, to do anything. I think even in the, in the, in the fight that he had in Ryzen, I thought that Kento Horaguchi, Horaguchi won that match, I think. So yeah, I, I don't think, you know, I hope Tyga doesn't win, and I hope that, that, that Falea wins. How about you, Christian? Falea, right? Yes. I hope that he wins. Uh, I'm gonna I try- mean, because after hearing what you had to say about this fight, after hearing all that you had to say regarding, you know, how much you think Tiger sucks, I think I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Now, it doesn't mean that Tiger was a bad fighter at some point. It just means that, you know, whatever, you know, he's, you know, a guy of, you know, he's a pretty well-known kickboxer. And yet... Like, how, like, he's on a four or five losing streak? Huh. Come on. Hey, didn't you say that it's not the fighter that makes the record? I mean, didn't you say that it's not the record that makes the fighter? It's the fighter that makes the record? That's true, but also depends on, on, on the record on those losses as well. And I've seen two of the, I've seen... I, I saw the one where he got knocked out, and I saw the rise one, and I know the and the one the majority draw, and three fights I seen of his, and he has not looked at all like a fire of what 
of his caliber should be fighting at. I don't know what I'm trying to look up uh, um, his opponent's kickboxing record, but I can't seem to find it or his boxing record. Um, but I have to believe that he has some sort of um, at least you know reliable record. Uh, you know, I, I can't believe that they're do they really want does Ryzen really want to do uh, a a a Taiga and and. Tensioned kickboxing match. I can't see them wanting to do that. It would be an absolute waste of time, in my personal opinion. Hey, I couldn't. I mean, I wouldn't blame you, dude. I really would not. But if they did do something like that, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, just to forget about Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. Just to forget about potential opponents from both of their camps. I mean, it would be an easy way for them to, you know, just say, hey, we got something other potential, other, we got something potential other than a fucking boxer that won't allow him to use his natural abilities. Exactly. And actually, speaking of Manny Pacquiao and the tension fight, uh, well, did you, did you have a pick for this fight, uh, Christian? You said, uh, you said that, uh, um, you're going to pick. I think Baharia will defeat. But we can go ahead and talk about the, I mean, start talking about the tension versus the Octone fight. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that fight, because I think that, that fight will be a lot more uh, noteworthy. For many reasons. Ah, uh, yes, yes, it will be. I mean, to be honest, I hope it will be noteworthy, because... I don't know if you've seen the recent Rising Confessions episode where they had, I mean, I, I feel that it was a bit rushed, believe you me, but I do think that this is probably going to be a fight that a lot of people will be talking about aside from the light heavyweight title fight that will be happening. Mm -hmm. but I agree. Last, this will be a fight that many people will be focusing their attention on. This is a fight that Manny Pacquiao's interest will be laser-focused on. This will be a fight that will probably, I mean, I don't want to say move the world, I mean, shake the world to its core, but still, it's going to be a fight that people are going to have an interest in. Obviously, Tension did say that, you know, he wants the people to, you know, love him more for being a kickboxer rather than just being a boxer in this case. But alas, it is Tension Nasukawa, the ninja boy, as some people call him, versus Kid Tornado, Fritz Alden Iaktan. First of all, particulars on Fritz Iaktan, if I can pull them up immediately. This damn thing. First of all, the particulars on Fritz Iaktan. He is 23 years old, born July the 25th, 1995. He is a second generation combatant. His father fought in MMA and fought in boxing as well, and he has a combined 
Combat Sports Record. He has a combined Combat Sports Record. Are you ready for this? Yep. He is 6-0 and in Muay Thai, 2-0 and in boxing, 12-3 and in kickboxing, and 5-1 and in MMA. Therefore, his combined Combat Sports Record is 21-4. and That's uh that's quite a record. And no disrespect. Yeah, no disrespect to Nasakawa, whose combined combat sports record is now I'm thinking is it 32 and 0, 33 and 0 if I'm not mistaken, because of that most recent fight that he had inside the Rise tournament. Uh yes, yeah, because that counts that counts on an official kickboxing record. Yes, it does. Oh, yeah. I mean, in that case, he is 33. I mean, he is 29 and 0 in kickboxing with 22 or 23 knockouts, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tenji Nasakawa is 29 in kickboxing. Fritz Biagton is 12 and 3 in kickboxing. But still, the particulars. Biagton, fighting out of Hyper MMA in Manila, Metro Manila, the Philippines. Tenshin Nasukawa is 5'4", 124.7 pounds, age 20, born August the 18th of 1998, representing Target and fighting out of Matsuno Chiba, Japan, by way of Tokyo. So, after all that I tried to get out and mention, do you think that the Kyokushin karate expert Nasukawa will defeat the all-rounded combatant Biaton? Or do you think that with Manny Pacquiao being at ringside, it's just going to be too much for Tenshin Nasukawa to focus on? I think Tenshin wins. I think he knocks him out in the first round. You joking? Nope. I think, I think Tenshin's going to easily beat... Uh, Biagtan, uh, knock him out in the first round. I don't know how. Maybe he'll do one of his, his spinny wizard kick things. But I think I think Biagtan's going down in the first. I mean, I can understand you. I mean, I'm going to pick Nasukawa as well. But are you basically saying that just to shut up the hopes of a potential Pacquiao versus Nasukawa bout? Um, if anything, that would that would increase the uh the 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 the, the, the possibility of it. He goes for Biagtan. Now he has to go for Pacquiao. I don't think I don't think. Well, so there was that press conference where they announced that Manny Pacquiao is going to be an ambassador for Ryzen in terms of getting Filipino talent to come there. Um, I don't know if that's if, if that's a response to one because since one does operate a lot of fights in the Philippines and does have a lot of Filipino fighters, I'm not so sure if that is like. That was a response to them coming for one coming to Japan. That's so that I think that's a discussion for another time. But nonetheless, Manny Pacquiao, Ryzen has somehow managed to work with boy Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao to some degree, and that is that is insane. So regarding Manny Pacquiao, though, um, you know, with his with his I don't know what his contract says for for Premier Boxing, 
for Showtime Boxing or the Zone or whatever, whatever whoever you sign with or um whoever. Actually, when it comes down to that Premier Boxing Champion stuff, I think for right now he's only going to be fighting on Showtime unless a potential fight with Errol Spence Jr. will arise, and then that'll be on. PBC on Fox pay-per-view. Okay, which I would be looking forward to that fight a lot if that does happen. But, uh, regardless, um, do I think a Manny Pacquiao uh, tension fight will happen? I honestly don't think so. I don't think it will happen. I don't think that's... A, a, uh, hopefully not. I don't think Manny wants that match, and I don't think Tension wants that match, and I'm hoping that Ryzen doesn't want that match. Um, but no, I have you know, if Manny's, if Manny's presence and... Working with Ryzen will get more Filipino fighters and you know, hey, you know what? Maybe we'll see people going from one to Ryzen. Maybe Eduardo Foliang will go to Ryzen. Maybe, uh, what was it? Kevin uh, Belling Be Bellingjohn will... Bellingjohn. Bellingjohn will go to Ryzen. Uh, they got a lot of Filipino fighters in, in, uh, in one. So, hey, you know what? If you have Manny Pacquiao working for you, guess what? You have a lot of Filipinos paying attention to you. I can tell you that for a fact. Manny Pacquiao is 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 like is like number one there when it comes to celebrity, you know. There's a he is he is the most well known Filipino in the world, and he in terms of in terms of anything, and you know he is he is very much a celebrity there, not just a boxing guy in the Philippines. But we go. Oh, yeah, he's basically a. I mean, aside from some of the controversial things that he say and some of the stuff that he says about the LGBT community, I mean, the dude's basically a global icon for the Philippines. Exactly. So, yeah, and here's the thing. I'm going to, you know, regardless of what he said about the LGBT stuff, um, if he wanted to run, for, he could run for president of the Philippines and he would win. Uh, or the prime minister. Yeah, or... but yeah, but the Philippines have their own version of Donald Trump, and I don't think that they will. I mean, I don't think that that guy will want to cross Pacquiao exactly. for all the wrong reasons. Exactly. But going back to the fight, I think you know, I think bringing uh, Biagtan in for a MMA fight should be something they should do in the future. Uh, and I know that he's a WBC... Kind of like what they did with Yamato Fujita. Yeah. Um, well, no, it was the opposite. They had him do a kickboxing fight, right? Against, uh... uh yeah, they had Yamato Fujita do MMA, then do kickboxing. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, they did the mixed rules. I'm sorry about that, yeah. But it didn't even go beyond the first round, so it didn't even matter. No, 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 no. Actually, hmm? they had him do an MMA fight. Then they had him take part of this crazy tournament where the final opportunity was to fight tension at the end, and obviously Fujita lost both of those. Oh yes, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm thinking I was thinking about the about the kickboxing. I was oh no, I was thinking okay, I was Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, yes, I understand you do. So, um but I think that you know, I've watched a few of uh Biontan's, um MMA matches. He actually fights in California for uh what is it, UHC, U U C or whatever it's called? Uh, URCC. URCC. I think I think he was a champion before, but I think he lost that title before in the flyweight division. Um, yeah, so he was the URCC animweight world champion. You know what? Regardless of how the fight goes, I think he'd be a great person to have on their, in their flyweight slash bantamweight MMA division. 
you know. Um, I think that uh, but I think that uh, he uh, loses in this one. He's going to uh, Tenta's uh, territory. Tenta's gonna knock, excuse me, knock him out in the first. I'm a hundred ninety nine point nine percent sure. Okay, I mean I'm basically gonna say that he's gonna win too. I mean, either way, no matter which round he wins in via knockout, it's gonna be fine just to see him compete in his natural habitat, compete in his natural form. But I mean if he loses via first round knockout, it's just going to be disappointing and people are not going to see him, you know, as this guy who fought Floyd Mayweather. Oh, you're talking about tension? People are going to see him. You're talking about tension? Yeah, people are going to see tension as a bum. Um, I hate to say it. That's true. That's true. But, you know, I don't think tension is going to lose this. I honestly don't. So I'm not even thinking about that, really, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Quite honestly. I understand. But you know, I think I think you, they should keep Beyondtown for for a while. You know, regardless of the outcome of the fight, I think he'll be a good addition to the, uh, a regular addition to the Ryzen roster. I really do. Because also, he has a if they do another kickboxing tournament or something like that, or they want to have another kickboxing match, they have they'll have a guy who already has that uh, experience, so they don't need to like you know go scouring the earth for somebody else. You already have somebody that you can uh, depend on. And it doesn't have to travel far. Right, right, right. I get what you mean, dude. Now, enough talk about enough talk about the supposed wet dreams that people are having about Tension Nasukawa. Can we please get to the main focal point of this fight card that might as well be the main event? Absolutely. Let's get right to it. Ah, yes. This will be the third Ryzen World Championship fight. And the third division that Ryzen will have a championship for. As this is going to be the main event of the evening or of the day for Ryzen 15. As two rivals face off against one another in a bout that has been three and a quarter years in the making. Introducing first, at six feet four inches tall, weighing 203.7 pounds, he is 26 years old, born October 14, 1992, fighting out of Jetsam Jim Bruno under the tutelage of Martin Karavanov and hailing from Hostradice in the Czech Republic with a record of 23 wins, 3 losses, and 1 draw. He is 8-1 inside the Ryzen Fighting Federation with his only loss in that span coming to the opponent that he faces this Easter Sunday. Yearly Denisha Prohaska and his opponent with a record of 21 wins, 8 losses, and 1 no contest at 6 feet tall, weighing 
nine-inch reach. He is 38 years old, born January 11th of My thoughts, well, first of all, this is also a uh, rise in history because this is the first booked, intentionally booked Ryzen uh, uh, main event to feature only foreigners, no Japanese. The t previous ones were tournaments, and the previous and the only other one to have a uh, main event with foreigners was the J.Kun Jiri fight, which was changed, which was not supposed to be the main event because Ryzen 13 had a hurricane they had to deal with, or a tsunami. But this is the first time that a Ryzen uh, event has had a main event booked with, in, with the intentional booking of two foreigners. And I gotta say, this is a great matchup. It's a great rematch to have. It's a compelling matchup. Because, like you said, King Mo's already defeated Jiri. I uh, knocked him out in that during that tournament, uh, the heavyweight tournament, which uh, G uh, King Mo went on to win. But since then, King Mo's been on a, on a kind of downward slope. He's had no finishes since then uh, with his wins. He had one boring ass win against uh, Rampage Jackson. He had another boring ass win against Satoshi Ishii. He's lost against, as you said, Crow Cop, but he's also lost since since then. Phil Davis uh, got knocked out by Ryan Bader in 15 seconds under, uh, in the opener of the uh, Bellator Heavyweight uh, Championship Tournament. And he got knocked out by Liam McGeary. So, the guy who, you have the guy who defeated his opponents years ago, rematching him. But now he's a much more, I would say, lesser fighter than he was than he was then. But then we got Jiri, who's been on an absolute tear, who's going through all of his opponents like he's got like he's got a fucking like 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 he has like he has something to say, like there's something on like he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's going through everybody, going through everybody, knocking them all out, knocking them all out. Finishing them brutally. And other than one match. is uh, has, has won all of his matches by one in Ryzen. 
This is a, fa a fantastic main event. I think it's going to end in a knockout. And I think that Jiri Prochaska will be the one that knocks out King Mo to become the inaugural Ryzen Fighting Federation Light Heavyweight Champion. Wow. Just wow. I mean, I can understand where you're coming from. I mean, because obviously, King Mo has had really nothing to celebrate as far as his career after the Ryzen, after that first Ryzen Heavyweight Grand Prix or Openweight Grand Prix, whatever you want to call it. And I suggest everybody look at the Borisawa video detailing King Mo's rise and then his fall from grace. Because I know that when it came down to the booking of this fight, Ryzen probably had a favor in with Bellow. I mean, I know that they are partner promotions. I know that they are trying to have an event booked in Hawaii later this year. But I think that Ryzen basically did a favor for King Mo because they seen, they have seen how he's been struggling recently. I mean, the dude is two and four in his last six fights since the Ryzen 2015 Grand Prix. The dude hasn't really managed to get any momentum. I mean, he's lost to Mr. Wonderful Bill Davis. He's lost to Miracle Kokoff, albeit in a very spirited effort for a minute and 41 seconds. And he got knocked out back-to-back -back times by Ryan Darth Vader, who is now the heavyweight and light heavyweight champion of Bellator, and Leo McGeary, the former light heavyweight champ, but also had those two boring as all hell fights with Rampage and Ishii. So when it comes down to, I mean, when it comes down to this fight, I mean, yeah, somebody is not going to reach the final, no, both of these two men will not reach the final bell. Hell, if it is a pride rules fight, one, I mean, 10 minute first round, five minute second round, or two five minute rounds after that, I won't be surprised if either one of them make the first five minutes, for God's sake. But, I made my decision, you made your decision, the Topology fan base made their decision, and even though, even though King Mo ain't got a snowball's chance in hell, I'm still picking him. Well... <laughs> Here's the thing, it's not... It's I mean, not... come on, man. Come on. Listen, here's the thing... Do you really think... No disrespect, <laughs> man. I know that Prokoska is 8-1 and one in the rising ring, and I know I'm pissing a lot of people from the Czech Republic off with this choice. But, come on, man. If you think about it, the first time that Jerry and King Mo fought... These two, I mean, these two couldn't have been no more bipolar opposites. But now, even though 
Yuri Prohaska is a stronger, more tougher, more rugged competitor. And obviously, the record shows that he's been going undefeated since losing to King Mo. I think that King Mo has a little bit of magic left in him. Because if you've seen the former Sawa video that was put up by the people of the Big Kibosh podcast talking about King Mo's triumphs and failures, you would you would basically know that there's hope when it comes down to King Mo. You would basically know that, you know, this dude's legend hasn't been written in stone as of yet, and I do think that while y'all are basically saying he's not going to win, and I don't want to disparage the 82% on tabology that said Jiri Prohaska is going to win, I say bullshit, because I think that King Mo has a little bit left in the tank to make himself a true legend. Here's the response. You know, he has defeated Jiri, so you know, you know how like in MMA, MMA is weird. There are just some people who can defeat any, like, maybe he can't defeat, you know, uh, Lee McGeary twice, but maybe for some reason he can defeat Jiri twice. You know how there's always that weird thing in MMA where someone just can't defeat this other opponent for whatever reason, no matter how many times they fight. They can fight a hundred times, but that person will always defeat them no matter how many times they fight. That might be a case of King Mo and Jiri. But, I do not think it is in this case. Hey, when it comes down to sporting references, it's the same thing they said about the Buffalo Bills when they went to four straight Super Bowls only to get whooped twice by the Cowboys, whooped by the New York Giants in decisive fashion, and whooped by the Washington Redskins. They just can't get the job done. And while I have respect for Yuri, I don't think that he's ready for this version of King Mo, who's ready to dig down deep and just do whatever he takes to just do whatever he can take to win. Let's be real. You know, like, but you know, I think that King Mo's, I think his his days as an MMA fighter may be coming to a close. Uh, I don't, I, I don't like, I'm, I hate, you know, when people say like, oh, someone's on a two fight losing streak. Oh, they're, 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 they're coming near their end. Uh, as an MMA fighter. I'm going to break my own rules slightly now and say that, you know, I think that King Mo's been through a lot of wars. Um, he's been through, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's been through two tournaments so far in Japan. Actually, don't forget, also started out in Japan as well. A lot of people don't know that. He started out as, as an MMA fighter in Japan after his, uh... Oh, yeah, he fought for Sengoku like seven times. Exactly. Um, I just think that, you know... It seems like he he's getting to that stage where he just doesn't seem like for the one for the fights he didn't get knocked out in, he just didn't seem to care. He seemed like his mind was somewhere else, you know. Even with the fight that he did win, like against Quinton Jackson and Ishii, you know, it just didn't. Satoshi Yeah, he just didn't seem to have like he didn't seem to care where he was. As I'm watching him, he just seemed to be like I'm just here. I'm just here to wrestle this guy. When's the three rounds going to be up? I think maybe he, you know, I don't know if like, and you know, I noticed this after he had his, you know, well, I don't want to say his pro wrestling, but like, I, I think his peak so far, 
may have been that 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 the heavyweight tournament that he won. And I just I don't know. I feel like he just doesn't have it in him as a fighter anymore. I think he's I think he's just I think the fighter mentality is not with him anymore. I honestly think that. I think that's what's going to happen in this fight is that he's going to, you know, it'd be great if he does if he comes in to win because it'll be an exciting fight. But I think that you know, regardless of whether he comes to win or whether he doesn't, I think that he's just going to. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be overwhelmed and he's going to be knocked out by uh, Jerry Prochaska. again for the umpteenth time I have to disagree because you don't know what a man has to go through when they're desperate. You don't know what a man has to go through when they feel down on their luck. And what King Bo's going through right now is that he is down on his luck looking for one last gasp just to keep his career going. Just to keep the haters off of him. Keep the doubters away from him. Keep people from saying you know, I think he's done. I think he's finished. He just doesn't have anything left in the tank anymore. I think that Mo has at least something left in the tank. And I won't be surprised if on Easter Sunday morning, there will be a resurrection of a different kind. And that will be the resurrection of the legend known as Muhammad King Mo Lawal. Let's say King Mo, or, or also I want to note as well for the um, for that Bryson Confessions where they did profile King Mo and uh, Jiri. Um, Jiri said that winning the belt means more than fighting the UFC. He says that Ryzen is his priority. Yep, and he said that Ryzen is his priority. Is uh, is his priority? Um, and what they did was they basically compared the tra- career trajectory of Krokop and Jiri. So remember that Jiri was in that, well, I mean, Krokop was in the heavyweight tournament and then mm-hmm. went, went on to fight Big Nog and then lost against Big Nog in that title mm-hmm. shot. And then... And then he had a, a nine-fight tear before losing to Fedor Emelianenko. So the, the Ryzen Confessions video was basically questioning, will his fight go like Krokop where he can, he can go far but not to, to, not to the heights of being champion? Or will he break out? Uh, will he be able to break out of that? Uh, out of that uh, potential, that potential uh, outcome. And here's the thing: Brojiri is not from is not from Croatia, but the two the two have had very very similar careers, and at one point we're we're going to be having a fight at some point. But obviously, right now that cannot happen because Krokop is now retired. So. That's why they could. That's why they were comparing those two careers because they're they're kind of very similar in many ways. Um, I think that Jiri's. Yeah, I just think that Jiri is going to be the better fighter in this one, and he's going to be a fighting champion for that light heavyweight championship bout. If he wants to bring in the Bellator, you know it'd be great. And whoever wins, King Mo, Bell of uh, Jiri, bring in the Bellator, and then maybe fight for the Bellator title after that. Oh yeah, and give Phil, I mean, give Ryan Bader some of the, I mean, some well-needed work because even though he has been fighting legends, like, well, actually, not really legends. I mean, he beat King Mo, he beat Matt Mitrione, 
Hungry King Mo, or you're gonna get a rampaging Jerry Prohaska. Here's the question: If 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 whoever wins, and if Ryan Bader like say if they set up a, a a match for the for the Ryzen Light Heavyweight Championship, and Ryan Bader wins that, would he be the first person to simultaneously hold three different belts at one time as a combat fighter? Yes. That's amazing. Like that blows my mind. That. that is um, I think that Ryan Bader has said, though, that probably the next opponent was going to be Czech Congo, I think, he said. Well, that wouldn't surprise me. At heavyweight, at heavyweight. Czech Congo's been desperately needing a title shot. Uh, at heavyweight. Um, it looks like that Bader doesn't want to fight Nemkov, Vadim Nemkov, which is a fight that well, a lot... Because if Vadim Nemkov faces off against Bader, it's a game, set, match. He's donezo. Yeah, most likely, yeah. Um, but yes, I picked Jiri to win this match and become the first ever light heavyweight championship champion of of Ryzen. And I know, and even though I know that people are gonna say that I'm wrong, I know you're saying I'm wrong, but I got King Mo winning just for the comeback story to be told. Because if Tiger Woods can do it. I'm pretty sure King Mo can do it too. Uh, and with that, that's the Ryzen 15 show, which will be airing uh, on uh, Easter Sunday, uh, 2 a.m. Eastern, I believe it is, for us East Coasters. And you can get it on Fight TV with those beautiful fight credits, or for 19.99, I believe it is, is the, uh, is the non-fight credit uh, uh, price. And it's going to be a great show. I cannot wait for it. We've got a lot of exciting fights. A lot of compelling fights. A lot of fights that are going to mean so much for the future. Uh, the only two things I wish that I, that I wish could happen. One, if they, I hope they have a... It would be great if they have a retirement ceremony for Crow Cop. I think that would be a great time to have it. Um, what about... You think they should have something like that, Christian? Hey, I hope so because... It would mean a lot to the legacy of Fedor. I mean, it would mean a lot to the legacy of Miracle Kolkov just to give him a retirement ceremony because, to be quite honest, he Also, and the other thing on the other thing that needs to be fixed, book Vitaly Shematov for your Ryzen show. Next Ryzen show, I want to see Ryzen 16, Vitaly Shematov on that card. I don't care who he's facing. Yes. I, I agree with you. Vitaly Shematov, the dancing Russian bear, he definitely deserves to be on a Ryzen card. And with, with the amount of time he's waiting, you know what? You might as well just give him a title shot for whoever wins that light heavyweight uh, Ryzen championship because he's probably, with the amount of of stuff that he's doing on the internet, traveling to Japan to like go to a Ryzen show, to go to Ryzen's offices, training in the frigid uh, Siberian uh, weather, uh, winter. I, I shouldn't even say it's winter because it's always cold there. Um, shirt, shirtless and pantsless, by the way. You know what? Give him a title shot as you know for your for Ryzen sixteen. Don't even have him face anybody. Just have him fight a face 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 uh, Jiri or King Mo. I say that. Okay. Okay. 
But other than that, I'm really looking. Other than that, I'm really looking forward to the show. Uh, is there anything else you want to say, Christian, before we sign off? And I have to go, and because I have to go watch Game of Thrones right now. I understand. I understand. Because with that, we are officially done talking our asses off about the Rise and Fighting Federation, at least for now. Until then, you can follow me on Twitter at chrisgary 92 you can follow Andrew Benjamin at Avenger1. You can follow our respective entities on Facebook and Twitter at Focus Fights, where we cover combat sports events and prospects all around the globe, the scenes of Japan, Russia, the UK, the US, South Korea, and the world will be emphasized. Oh, and you can follow our show at We Are Rising Pod. Send an email to us about our comments and complaint. I mean, send a complaint or a comment to us at wearerisingpodcast at gmail.com. And also, don't forget to check us out on SoundCloud and Stitcher or wherever audio may be heard. As well as YouTube. Don't forget YouTube now. Yes, youtube.com slash wearerisingpod, right? I believe it is. Or, uh, let me... It's, a, it's an entirely new channel that I'm starting to pay attention to, so let me double check on the, uh, on that, uh, on that, uh, YouTube channel. Do, 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 do. Give me a second. If not, if not, and if you can't get the link from Andrew, just search on YouTube, We Are Rising Podcast. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, the YouTube channel is, oh, I can't even, no, it's, it, it, I have, it's under the We Are Rising Podcast, uh, name. And I this this link the, the link the link they have is weird. I don't know what it says. Uh, it's like a bunch of. I understand. It's a bunch of multitude of numbers and letters. Yeah. But but still, we're just about done. But just remember that next week is Easter, and I mean obviously this week is considered Holy Week to religious folks. I mean, I know my people are pretty much celebrating it, but still, point of the matter is just remember that as Lenny Hart said in our interview, which you can listen to on Stitcher and SoundCloud, it's Sunday next weekend, it's Easter Sunday, and what are we all going to be doing, Miss Hart? Just a second. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thank you again for listening.